Gracious Father, we thank you for another beautiful fall morning. Your glory, your creation, your power, majesty is on display again. God, we want to get to know you more. We want to understand as much as we can of your plan for the end. Um, because you don't want us to have fear or confusion or anything else. You want us to be really clear and understand and be looking forward to it. So we are like the Apostle Paul, longing and desiring to see the return of Jesus. So bless you, Father. Come and help us now, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We're at Revelation chapter 11, where we finished in chapter 10 last week was Jesus and the little scroll. And talking about what is what is the, the capstone was a number of number of capstone moments with the, the end times plan, right? Um, one of the key things is the salvation of Israel. And a lot of the tribulation, the difficulty and stuff with tribulation is, is to soften the hearts of Israel and prepare them to finally say Jesus is our Messiah, our Lord. Um, so where we're at is down here. Here's, the, here's a small scroll. So if you notice, this is, if you look at your blue line and arrow here, the seven years that we're so used to hearing about from the Bible, three and a half years, three and a half years, seven years, this whole plan, the seven years ends there as this little scroll is opened and the seventh trumpet is blown. So fifth trumpet is first woe, second trumpet is second woe. And then we have this interlude, chapter 10, talking about the small scroll, and, and there's lots of things happening. You notice up here it says, well, the seven years have ended, but then there's an additional 30 days, and then there's an additional 45 days after that. And to be honest, there's um, very little detail in Scripture about those extra times, especially the 45 days. There's hardly anything said about that. It comes from uh, Daniel. But we'll, we'll do what we can to figure out what's happening in those time frames. But, yeah, today we're going to get into, down here in this area, this is supposed to be like the hills of Zion, Mount Zion. And so there's a whole bunch of activity here. And, again, you're trying to show what's happening in, like, two or three days. And, and you can't do that in a tiny little time frame so it's spread out this illustration but if you open your timelines and look at that you'll notice the mount on the left is uh, Edom and then you got that's Jesus represented here next to that you say well what's that about well we'll look at that probably in a couple of Sundays uh, prophecy says that that the Lord Jesus will lead his people from Edom and apparently that's the 144,000 who've been kept um, safe, protected during the whole last three and a half years. So Jesus is going to come down physically, put his feet on the ground, and lead them from Edom to Jerusalem. And so a lot of things come into play with that time period. You'll see that it says next to... This illust oh, this illustration is the older one, isn't it? Yeah, Arg. Um, and the newer one that you all have before you, there's like a calendar here. It says day one. That's day one of the 30-day period. 
And day one is uh, the death of the two witnesses. That's what we're going to get into today. So, yeah. Try to start with some visual to get us engaged a little bit. Uh, the illustrations that were handed out this morning, we really aren't going to look at those, the, the ones that I uh, created. We won't look at that probably too much today, but I wanted to get it out to you today. So we wanted to you start looking at it and playing with it a little bit. So let's get into chapter 11, verse 1. Revelation 11, 1. John says, I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altars and count the worshipers there. And we didn't spend time in that last week, but I should have mentioned that we, we see this two or three occasions in the Old Testament with prophets where, where God telling them to measure, uh, measure Jerusalem, measure this, measure that. It's almost always an expression of uh, judgments about to come. So usually God uses it through the prophets saying, okay, take stock of the detailed situation because um, some, some judgment's coming down. So normally that's the case, and that's, uh, that works with what's going on here too. Go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the worshipers there, but exclude the outer court, and that's where the, the Gentiles would be. Do not measure it because it, the outer court, has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for how long? 42 months. And the 42 months is how long a time frame? In years? Three and a half years. Okay? So we're going to go on a little journey here at the moment. Uh, let's go on the next verse just for a second. Verse 3. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for how long? 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Well, how long is 1,260 days? Three and a half years. Is it exactly three and a half years? Exactly the 1,275 days, wouldn't it? So 1,260, that means, well, why, why is he using a 360-day year when, we, when it's obviously 365? What's up with that? That's what your handout is about here, the, the typed up one. So everybody pull that out. I'm just basically going to read through it. And I've been doing so much research on this. I was like, there's no way we're just going to verbalize this information, um, and just even for my own benefit. But we typed this up. We're going to read through it. We'll stop. Somewhere along the way, you know, if you're like, what? Raise a hand and go, huh? Or make a comment, ask, ask a question. But we're just going to kind of plow through this. So I titled it 360 versus 365 day years and the Bible. We're going to do a little, little research here. So the apocryphal, oh, I spelled that wrong. <laughs> Instead of A-L, I think it's A-L maybe at the end. I don't know. It doesn't look right. Apocryphal book of Enoch. Who's ever heard of it? Have you ever read it? It's, it's kind of getting popular again. Of course, everything everything goofy is getting popular now. And the internet has exploded the availability of it free to anybody who's surfing, right? So the book of, what's, what's apocryphal mean? Apocryphal mean it's not approved book for the Bible. Now, apocryphal can also mean uh, the books that the Catholic Bible includes in their Bible. Between the Old and the New Testament, there's what, 10 or 12? 
additional books in there. And once in a while, if you go to a Catholic wedding, once in a while, you'll hear a passage from one of those books read, quoted, and you'll kind of go, where'd that come from? Because it's not in our Protestant Bibles. So those apocryphal books were not approved back in 350-some A.D. when the rest of the Bible was like, okay, this is Scripture. When, when all Christendom and its leaders said, this is Scripture, these books were not included. And there's different reasons for it. The, the ones that weren't included, if some were, were not included because we didn't know for sure who the author was. That was murky, so we, we didn't include them. So the other books we didn't include because, I don't know, there's good stuff in there, but, but here and there and there, we're like, no, that's that's for sure wrong. So it can't be word of God if there's some errors in there, right? So there was a, there was a vetting process, and the apocryphal books were not included for different reasons. A couple of those books are First and Second Maccabees, mostly historical, written about the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And you know, I don't know that they're 100% perfectly historically accurate, but there's a lot, a lot of good stuff that is historically accurate in there, but they didn't get described in Scripture. Okay? So the apocryphal book of Enoch, well, Enoch goes way, 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 way back, right? When did Enoch live? Easy marker, before or after the flood? Before the flood. So he goes way back. And so we don't know for sure that it's his stuff. It probably is. Um, and there's there's good stuff in there, but there's two or three you know, kind of head-scratcher things that were not... Anyway, they decided not to include it. But the book of Jude in the Bible, if you want to, you can turn there quick because it's right, just smack that in front of Revelation 1, right? And Jude is just one chapter. It's a tiny little book. Jude is uh, one of the half-brothers of Jesus. And verses 14 and 15, he says, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, seventh generation from Adam, prophesied about these men. And then, then he quotes from the book of Enoch. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone, to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way. And lots of ungodly there. And of all the harsh words, ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So there you have Splash, the book of Enoch, is quoted by Jude there in Scripture. So um, apparently, you know, in Jesus' time, the book of Enoch was, they were familiar with it and uh, would use it on occasion for different things. So back to my little piece of paper with apocryphal spelled wrong. Apocryphal book of Enoch, quoted by Jude in the Bible, Jude verses 14 15, mentions 365 days in the calendar year in some of his writings. You say, well, that makes sense. But he lived before Noah's flood. Then you get to Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. Here Noah mentions in the 600th year of his life, in the 17th day of the second month, all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of the heavens were opened. So he's talking about this is when the flood hit, on the 17th day of the second month. Next paragraph. In Genesis 8, Verses 3 and 4, Noah reports, At the end of the 150 days, the water had gone down, and on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark 
excuse me, came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. So the 17th day of the second month to the 17th day of the seventh month was exactly 150 days. So how many days in each month? 30. Can't be 29 here and 31 there, can it? Is there any time in our calendar when you can go five straight months and all the months are 30? Not a one. So we have to go, what's up with your calendar, Noah? Something really different going on there. So that back to this 17th day. Yeah, let's we'll start that paragraph here. 17th day of the second month to the 17th day of the seventh month was exactly 150 days. That tells us that at the time of the flood, the calendar in use was based on 30-day months. So a calendar year would have been 12 months times 30 days equals how many days in the year? 360 days. Isn't that interesting? So did the calendar year change from 365 days to 360 days? Because of the things God did with and to the world, bringing about the worldwide flood. I'm just asking the question. We don't know. All we know is Enoch makes a reference before the flood to 365 day years. And then all of a sudden, all in a sense, all of a sudden, Noah's like, yeah, right now we're working with 360. You know, when you can start talking about lunar cycles. Okay. Um, it used to be, apparently, it used to be that, uh, well, during this time period, 360-day year, then you got uh, 30-day cycles for the moon. Perfect. Right now, they're on 28-day cycles. I, this is on in my brain. I'm just, who's an astronomer? Who can handle that stuff? I cannot. I'm just letting you know. I'm a, I'm a, God made me a man of the words. Uh, the starry stuff, I love, I'm amazed by it. I cannot mentally grasp it and speak with wisdom to you about it. I just cannot. So I'm, I'm getting all this research. I'm just picking other people's brains trying to put on paper. Okay? So we don't know. The, the, the answer is we don't know why 365 before the flood. And all of a sudden, Noah's like, yeah, 360, that's what we're doing. We don't know. He doesn't, the Bible doesn't tell us anything about that. Nor does any other writings in history give us detail about that. It's it more interesting. So next paragraph. Early civilizations then used the 360-day calendar. After the flood, those early civilizations were using 360-day calendars. Anybody know this? Heard this before? I, I've done a lot of historical reading through years. Never came across this. Right. Yeah. So, and the stuff I was reading on didn't do anything with the Gregorian and Julian calendars. So, throw that in your hopper if you want to. I don't want to. <laughs> okay, so it's a great big fat paragraph there. It starts to do anything. Oh, I'm sorry. The early civilizations then used the 360 day calendar, including Egypt. Until the 8th century B.C., so 800 years before Christ, in the 8th century, everyone, all the, all the historical archaeological writings from different cultures and nations, everybody changed to 365-day calendar in the 8th century without explanation. We don't know. 
We don't know why. You think you think there'd be a no, right? <laughs> you they had a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> you jerk five days, you add five days, you t- you add five days to the calendar without telling anybody. Of course, everybody's living it. So, like, well, we don't need to explain why we're doing this. It's, it's a no-brainer, apparently. But to our brains, we're going, what up? What's with five days, people? It's not five hours. It's five days. Well, how many years was the 360 calendar? I don't know. If you go from, so you go from the flood to the 8th century. The flood was... Flood was what? Thirty five hundred? I don't have that fresh that date fresh in my brain. A lot quite a long time. As far as we know. discussion about 360 versus 365 days in the calendar year, according to the Bible. <laughs> All right. So we're in how many paragraphs on one, two, three, four, five paragraphs on that little tiny one. Early civilizations then used the 360-day calendar, including Egypt, until the 8th century BC. In the 8th century BC, everyone changed to a 365-day calendar without so far, we haven't come across any archaeological, historical description of why everybody switched. So the next paragraph says, well, did anything of importance happen during the 8th century BC that may have impacted the calendar year? That's one way to approach it, right? Well, anything, anything wild and crazy happened in the 8th century that might have flipped the calendar five whole days? It has to be something pretty amazing, right? Well, where do you go to look for amazing things that have happened in history that might impact the whole world in its calendar? I'd go to the Bible. The prophet Isaiah reports God causing the sun to go back ten steps as a sign to King Hezekiah that God would heal him of a life-threatening illness. The mention of a sundial in that passage is the first mention of such a device in ancient literature. Now, other... other uh, Civilizations were using sundials, apparently, but this is the first mention of it in a historical document. The Hebrew word for the sundial used there in Isaiah and also in uh, maybe Kings or Chronicles, another place in the Bible too, same story. The Hebrew word usually means step or stare. Now the Greek historian Herodotus mentions the use of a staircase by the Babylonians for measuring the passing of the sun. So they had a stair they made a staircase and it had steps going up both sides to the top. Then there was a fixed pole nearby in exactly the right position. So as the shadow from the sun moved, it would go up the stairs and down the stairs. Pretty cool, right? I'd like to have one of those in my front. Right? Sundials are kind of cool, but stairs and 
I don't know. It sounds fascinating, but you can build one, right, Charlie? I can. All right. Yeah. <laughs> more details. Yeah, I'll see what I can come up with. Now we've got to go back to Babylon, apparently, to figure it out. So the Babylonians use it for measuring the sun. The stairway was constructed so the shadow cast by a stationary post or pillar climbed the stairs at the rate of one one stair every half hour. Could it be, and I'm just asking a question, I don't know this stuff, we're just trying to understand it. Could it be the gods making the sun go back 10 steps had further implications, maybe causing the calendar year to go back to 365? I admit the solar system explanations are beyond my pay grade. I don't know. This guy, you can go to the website. I put it on here at the bottom. Watchman Bible study. And I don't, I tried to, I don't know anything about who creates that. I don't know if they're heretics or anything. All I know is the stuff looked pretty solid. It looked really interesting. And from what I could tell, reading it, um, it looked like it was on track. But um, he talked about the, the way to accomplish this, for God to accomplish it, would be moving the sun back. All the rotations would, the personal planet rotations would stay the same. And the orbits would stay the same, but if you move, I don't know. And I was like, blew my mind. I don't get it. So then, how would that fit in when God had the sun stand still during the battle? Yeah, he touches on that briefly, and there's a whole other article. I was like, I don't have four more hours to break my brain. But he touches on that too. Because that's another huge question, obviously, is. Um, that brought him back. Well, the time frame doesn't really, yeah, the calendars weren't changed at that time. So that's fascinating. Yeah. So the solar system stuff is beyond my pay grade now. I don't get it. I'm just throwing out stuff saying, here's what we know. The calendar was 365 before the flood. At the flood, it was 360. In the 8th century, it went back to 365. And now here in Revelation, we're talking about 1260. Uh, 368 years. So we got, we have multiple instances of the calendar year jumping from 365 originally to 360, to 365 we know and love today, to in the end times, 360. So when Revelation was being broke, what was the calendar year? 365. Really, he was being told how to write it. Right. The fact that it goes left. It'd be like if, if God were to speak to you or me or any of us here and have us right now. Okay, so three and a half years and it's not many, it would be like, hold on, God, just a second. That, the math isn't quite your, right. Your calendar's so wrong, right. God. What are you talking about? Like, no, no, no. Trust me. It's just for God that he wasn't writing in, in his culture. Exactly. God. Exactly. So John's writing this down. God's telling him. Jesus is telling him. He's writing it down, and he's got to be going, that's 360, God. Right now, we're experiencing 365 big years on our calendar. What, what are you up to there? I don't know how much John's processing this stuff, but what we're going, dude, you got to, somewhere along the line, he had to recognize. And then, Revelation, there's nothing else in the book of Revelation. Now, Daniel also in his prophecies about the end, assumes the 360-day year. So 
Daniel had to be scratching his head about this, maybe. Maybe the, everything else was so overwhelming it didn't, I don't know, didn't occur to my room. But we have. Obviously, talking about the exact same time frame, 1260, not 1275, 1260. 
So this passage also assumes a 360-day calendar year. So some Bible scholars simply say that 360-day years are, quote, prophetic years. That when we're talking about prophecy and stuff like that, for some reason the prophets are using 360, and we don't know why. It is called prophetic years. Without giving much reason why. To change the physical functioning of sun, moon, and earth so that the calendar year goes back and forth between, three, between 360 and 365 days seems like a miracle that many do not want to depend on. Or, or talk about too much, because it just seems kind of foolish, right? Five whole days. But when you think about our solar system and stuff, how, how far do you have to change the position of something, sun or earth and moon, to go from 365 to 360? Pretty, pretty tiny changes. So like the habitable zone that Earth is in from our sun, it's like less than 1% that you can move us without blowing that up. If we're 1% closer to the sun, we fry and die. 1% further away, we freeze and die. So you see so a tiny, tiny nudge from the God who made it all. And it won't your calendar just like that. Just keep that in mind. But you know, we're in a time period where skepticism of all things God and Bible are hip. So even a lot of Bible scholars, they don't even want to talk about this stuff. They don't just go there. They just call it, well, it's a prophetic year, and they just go right on without even discussing what's going on here. I have to dig all over the place to find somebody willing to talk about it. So last paragraph, Daniel chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, also adds some interest and mystery to this day's calendar topic. There, Daniel mentions that there will be 1,290 days between the stopping of the daily sacrifice and then some event that I, I can't quite grasp. So why the additional 30 days added to the 360-day prophetic year? There's no, no description why. Then John writes, John, that'd be Revelation. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. I should have made the reference where that was at. Uh, that's 45 days beyond the 1290 days. Why? I don't know, and I put yet. Because we're working, you know, we're all in process. We're asking the Holy Spirit for wisdom. The Lord might show us. Right now, I don't know. I don't get it. But so we have 1260 is really kind of all over the place, numerous places in the Bible for the end time stuff. 1290 is mentioned uh, once or twice. The 1335 is mentioned once. So we have very little data. Uh, say small sample size. Okay, Very little data in the scriptures to work with. So if I put additional mind-bending info on this topic, watchmanbiblestudy.com. Now, Watchman is... Um, Seventh-day Adventist, or is that Mormon? The, the newsletter, the publication. What's up? Watch Tower. Watch Tower. Okay. Joe is with Okay. So maybe this is not that. But WatchmanBibleCity.com, if you want to literally, he has lots of cool illustrations and stuff. Every one of them blew my mind. So if you want to go there and challenge your little gray cells, 
please go for it. And I'll probably go back there later in school. Maybe next summer I'll try and <laughs> soak in it for a day. Uh, comments, questions. I, I don't mean to throw confusion on it. Hopefully I'm adding some some uh, insight, some cluing in like, okay, we got a thing here. I see there's a event in the middle of leave that out or it'll be given on over to the nation and they will trample on the whole city for 22 months. Well, to me that seems like one topic, that's one timeline for one event. I will grant authority to the two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1260 days. So, I don't understand why the 42 months for 1260 days is compared to like one
God, you're good. And boy, we're thinking about that passage where it says, your ways are so much higher than our ways. Your thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. Because the Sunday two go in a sermon, we're going to look at a passage where Paul says, who can comprehend? Who gives wisdom and counsel to God? Who tells God how it ought to be? None of us. And so we look forward, God, to when we're going to understand all this. It's going to be crystal clear. And we're going to drop on our knees again and say, God, you're awesome. You're amazing. And you know all things. The end from the beginning, you know all things. And we trust you with it. Give us more understanding as we love you more. In Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody.